We're going to meet today with Dan Lee, who is a partner at Comvest Credit, has over 20 years of industry experience. In the past three years, he's one of the few individuals who's truly changed my life. He was one of the people who immediately said, yes, let's figure it out. And it's pretty rare to have that in your life. Why the heck did you start Muay Thai? I started with boxing and then got into Muay Thai. And it really was um, part of the problem that was me several years ago, which was I wanted to be seen as the tough guy, the strong guy, competitive. And um, so I did a lot of individual training and I, because I wanted to be the guy that was training alone while the class was there and ooh, he must be tougher and training. And well, that's the guy spending 150 bucks for the same workout that they were all spending 30 bucks. And they were having more fun laughing, having a great time. And after a while, I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is just, I'm wasting money, which is stupid. But that's also looks more fun. Why don't I go jump in and join them? And so that's, I do a lot of group training now. That's, that's my thing. Um, and then I got into yoga. I found yoga um, and realized I'm not a fighter. The fighting actually feeds that instinct of, I want to be seen as tough. I want to be the guy that sort of, you know, seen as, as strong. And I needed to diffuse that and build in more sort of relaxation, meditation. And so yoga has been just trans transformative for me. How has your mentality kind of shifted as you evolved from Muay Thai into yoga into like even your evolution as an individual? Yeah, it's really figuring out how to get comfortable in my skin. You know, I spent a long time trying to be seen as a certain image. Um, I loved it when I got the title of partner because I, I had made it. Um, when I got the title of partner, one of, my, one of my colleagues who also got promoted at the same time said, can I keep the title of managing director? And I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I, everyone wants to be a partner. And his point was, I want to be known as the guy that does the work. Like, you know, I don't, I don't want to be seen as a guy that's up in the corner office. I want to be the guy that's getting the deal done. And I didn't realize at the time, but he was 100% right. And, um, and so in the, in the transition to partner, I felt I've made it. And I'm now, um, I, can, I can really manage the team and lead from above and, and um, in the course of that, realize that I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, that I'm a terrible manager. Um, I'm a good worker, but I'm a terrible manager. And my colleagues were, were incredible about it because what they did, rather than focusing on what I'm not good at, they came at it from the point of what I'm great at, which is originations and business development. And they said, we need you to focus on that because with where we're going, we need to be clicking on all cylinders. And you know, you're among the best we got. So just, we need you to go out there and get it. Implicit in that was, you're not making it as manager, and so that, that's the role that's here for you to go make, make an impact. And that's the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway in all of this was I realized I'm terrible when I'm not having an impact and when I'm not really meaningfully coming in feeling like I know what I got done today. How difficult was it for you to manage that transition emotionally? I also got divorced three years ago, and prior to that time, my entire self-worth was tied up in what other people think of my life and think of me as a leader, think of me as a father, um, as a husband, as a son. And I really wasn't focused on how to, do, how to do any of that stuff well, actually being good at it. I just wanted to be seen as being good at it. And so, you know, I really, it, it took a couple, couple years of me realizing that being the youngest son, being a late blooming, you know, I was five feet tall when I was a sophomore in, in high school. I'm still five feet tall. Yeah. It's yeah. okay. You're enough, man. You're enough. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't enough at five feet. 
I had a chip on my shoulder. And, um, and so I just, I really just felt inadequate in all sorts of different, I came to New York being from Minnesota and I felt like, oh, that's not as cool as being from other places. It really, it just, it was kind of sad in hindsight. And I, I don't hate myself for it. I'm not, I don't look back in disgust. It's just sort of the idea. I was kind of propelling myself forward. Um, and, and I was, I was successful. I was objectively successful. So I must be doing okay, you know? And, um, and then I realized my, my marriage crumbled and I realized I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good father. Um, really not that great an employee. I was, I, I had done well, but I, I just knew I could do so much more and I had to really just break it down and get to the place where I could be comfortable with yoga, with quiet, with slow, um, and just, just being in the moment. When you look back at 2019, do you have any habits that are newly formed that have had a big impact on you? Yeah. So I, I found a blog post by Tim Ferriss. Uh, who I love uh, a couple days ago about prior year review. So someone asked him what his New Year's resolutions were, and he said he doesn't do resolutions, he does prior year review. And what you do is you take a piece of paper, you write positive on one side, negative on the other, you go through your calendar for the last 12 months, you go every day, you look at the people, places, meetings um, that took place that day, and over the course of the week, you categorize it as positive or negative. And just the act of writing all those things down is really... Um, educational because you, you learn about where you spent your time and why you spent your time there and the places that you shouldn't be spending your time. And so the other key element of it that, that he does is he says, take the top 20% of each and for the positives, get them in your calendar for 2020, make the calls, schedule the meetings, get, make sure that stuff happens and don't do it now, make it happen for the negatives, write it on a piece of paper where you can see it every day. So you remember those tendencies, those things that you did that you thought they felt right in the moment, but it was fed by the wrong urge. And that'll help keep you on track to do more of the 20% that's, that's productive and stay away from the stuff that, that undermines you. And it's really, at the end of the day, it's, for me, it's really helped me find a sense of peace and comfort in just doing the right kind of work, the work that's gonna have an impact. What is one positive and one negative that you discovered as you were looking through the calendar? Yeah, so I'll give you, there's a great example of one that fits in both columns, uh, fitness. So I've, I've got, have gotten into this rejuvenation of, of fitness. I've, I've built my life around it, and I realized it, it's great, and it gives me energy, and it gives me confidence and discipline. Um, so that part of it's wonderful. But it's also distracted in that I've, I've scheduled too much of my life around it at times, and so I realized I, I can use it as a foundational element of my day, as something that, that is, gives me strength and, and spirit but and meaning, but not sucking energy out of my schedule and sucking um, time and emotion away from what I need to do, which is just do the work to have an impact. Who is this? This is Griffin. So this is, this is the love <laughs> of my life, 11 years old. I mean, he just is absolutely the most um, incredible young man that, that I know. Um, he gives me so much energy and love and devotion. He's just, he's awesome. And I've learned to connect with him in his ways. He's not a ball sport kid. And so that's what I thought I would have. I thought I would have a ball sport kid. And Griffin just isn't that. He just doesn't have the attention span for it. But he's an amazing artist. And he loves World War II. And so I realized I can take him to all these cool places where we can go do, have adventures together. We went to Normandy amazing. We went to London and saw uh, Churchill's Bunker and the Imperial War Museum. We went to the World War II Museum in New Orleans. We went to a D-Day reenactment in Kanaut, uh, Ohio. 
which he made me, he prayed, begged me to take him back again. He loved it. And so did I. I mean, that's the cool part is I'm learning about stuff that I never would have learned about and experiencing it through his eyes. Learning to follow him um, makes my life so much easier. And, and then he and I have this wonderful bond. And I have to give credit to the artist here. That's, that's my ex's sister who painted this um, amazing portrait. And it just captures him. It, it just is, that's, that's Griff. You're just kind of talking to me about the idea of when to ask for help. And it's interesting because so much of, I think, the images that we build up is that we kind of have things together and that we're sound physically, mentally, emotionally, everything in all moments, 24-7. But it's not reality of anybody in life. Yeah, so, you know, I, I've, I've spent so much time trying to look strong, winner, um, the story. The story is what it's about. Part of the story is I don't need help. And I also didn't want to be a burden, so I don't want to impose on people. So I was really bad at asking for help. And it was when I was going through my divorce and um, my son needed help. And that was the greatest thing that could happen for me because it was no longer up to me. I had to get help for him. He needed help from our family, friends. They rallied amazingly for him. Um, just I'm wonderfully blessed with family and friends. And I realized there's no reason to stop there. I can professionally, I need your help. I need help all over the place. And I'm here to help, right? Um, it's not just get, it's give. But you know, that's, that's the kind of connection that I've figured out how to build. It's not just, I'm gonna leave this relationship with you viewing me as being the winner, as being strong, as not needing you. Just the opposite. I will leave the relationship with you knowing that I need you. I need you. I need your help to be what I can be, and I'm willing to help you. So let's figure out how to do this. Do you think that vulnerability in the beginning felt a little bit awkward, a little bit scary? But then, like, how did that play out when you started to become a little bit more vulnerable and open about the the full self? Yeah, awkward doesn't describe it. I mean, it was <laughs> it was horrifying. It was awful. It was totally uncomfortable. I was miserable it was it was awful i mean it just really i felt like every, everything was shattered and that's the other blessing is it took things shattering and my son needing my help um and me needing help from others to give him that help um that's the only way, way i would have gotten there if you could say something on a billboard and everyone could see it in our finance community what would that message be Check back in 10 years. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't have the answers yet, but I know that I'm finding them, and I will have them. I, it, it really, I don't, I don't have the pithy phrase, um, but I know, I know how to do what, um, what I need to be doing, and I know that it's going to have an impact, and I know that sometime in the next five or 10 years, I'm going to have a great billboard for you.